This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 423. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Upon this episode we are reviewing two screeners that were issued to me on titles that are about to be released. We also have a bonus interview in here as well. So coming up on this show I'll be chatting down and speaking to Gia Elliott who is the director of the first movie we will be reviewing which is Take Back the Night. Now this title is about to get a release from Arrow Videos, so more details on that will be coming up after the first break. Also, if that wasn't enough, I'll also be reviewing the brand new documentary, which is also about to be released for um, IT. So this is Pennywise the documentary, more details on that coming up after a later break. So yeah, two reviews, one interview, that's what you've got lined up for your Sunday action. Now we are in the midst of arguably our most important and busiest month of the year is of course October which means yesterday with this being the second yesterday was the first episode of Bazaween so it is now available go forth and consume some Baz action for you raw and straight from the teat. The Baz is back and we are doing the entire Phantasm series coupled up with a folk horror title that I've selected from a different part of the world on each episode. Episode number one dropped yesterday with the reviews of Phantasm and Eyes of Fire which is a folk horror title from the United States of America. So yeah, go forth, check it out. It's a ton of fun. Great to be back in action, doing some of the Baz stuff. It's always a delight to sit there and chat to him. And that episode turned out super fun. The next one you won't have long to wait for at all. The next one drops tomorrow, episode number two, where we're looking at Phantasm 2, because it's the second episode in the second movie. But we'll be coupling that up with November, representing Europe in the folk horror category. It's black and white. It's, you know, almost two hours long. It's arty as get out. I wonder if Baz liked it. So we'll find out when that episode drops tomorrow. Looking forward for the rest of the week next week. Well, um, yeah, you're going to get a ton of content. Uh, that's all I can tell you right now is there will be a movie club announcement. We will be doing an Italian collection series of reviews. We will be doing um, the first of the Russian roulettes looking at the Hannibal Lecter franchise. So yeah, we'll be talking about Manhunter and that'll be dropping next week and various other odds and sods. Tons of stuff. Oh yeah, before I forget, a review of Terrifier 2. So that is also coming your way next week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. On the Teapots Collective, tons dropped this week, which means nothing's dropping next week. See how I did that? Nice and easy. Right, ladies and gents, I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When I return, I'll be joined with Gia Elliott, who will be sitting down and discussing her brand new movie, which is about to be released through Arrow Video. It's Take Back the Night. I'll be right back with that interview right after this.
This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, it is my distinct privilege and pleasure at this time to introduce Gaia Elliott, who has a movie that's about to be released via Arrow Video on the 10th of October. Uh, the movie is Take Back the Night. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. My name's Gia. Gia, Gia right. Th- th- see, yeah. this is Scottish. This is this is my yeah. excuse for everything. I, I pronounce everyone's yeah. name wrong unless it's John Smith. I will have yeah. issues with it. So, Gia, no, Gia it's, Elliot. Yes, Gia. It's um, it's my family's very Italian. It's an Italian name. I love it. It's very, very nice. Um, now your movie is coming out via Arrow. It's getting the it's getting the physical treatment, which I love because collector and and all. Um, I, I'm assuming it's also going to be available VOD for people to check it that are maybe trying to downsize their their collections and stuff. But yeah, it'll yeah. be available there as well. Talk to us a little bit about how you've ended up where you are right now. Because this movie is... I, I love the description because essentially what it's saying is it's, it's allegorical for sure. But you, you're not trying to hide a message in this movie. It's very... It, I, I kind of like is, And in a way, the subject matter itself kind of doesn't need to be hidden away, if that makes sense. So like, how did you come up with the, the project, the idea and ultimately end up where you are now, essentially. Emma Fitzpatrick and I were friends in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. We had a mutual fascination with the fallout of sexual violence in the United States. I had just come from law school where I was sitting on a bench with a judge in a criminal court in New York City. I had seen a couple of sexual violence cases um, at trial. I had studied it in school, kind of the way that the laws are written differs Mm -hmm. from state to state in the United States. So I was watching grown men in suits debate with straight faces whether or not fingernails were ripped off enough to prove that it was forcible, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And Emma was studying just brain chemistry and the science of the brain when you're impacted by trauma and how processing that looks like and how deeply misunderstood it is right you know we really love this idea of like someone who's been afflicted by some kind of trauma and they really just play the part perfectly right like they're wrapped up in a blanket eating ice cream like sad you know um (laughs) but in reality you might be doing crazy things you might be doing repetitive behaviors you might be trying to recreate the situation to gain some mastery over it you might be trying to put things back together that you felt were taken from you you might be trying to replace the sheets that are are now in evidence exact same there you know you might be going to the exact same place where your trauma happened trying to relive kind of conquering it and it feels crazy when you're going through it like you don't know that this is you processing it. You feel like you're on a roller coaster. So I wanted to maybe explore that juncture with Emma. We were exploring it in conversation. We started a book club 
our book club turned into like once and turned from once a month to like every night and mm -hmm. over the whole weekend of chatting back and forth. And eventually that turned into, hey, we should make a movie. I have a camera, you can act. Um, why don't I just teach myself how to use a camera and we'll say something about the subject. But it felt a little like homework. Hey guys, come watch our <laughs> super fun, cool, scrappy indie movie about this really sad subject. Felt sad. Um, doing a documentary felt maybe like it wouldn't quite be the conversation starter, the inclusive mm -hmm. conversation starter we were hoping for. Mm -hmm. And also when you have a villain in a film, you want to know why they're villainous, right? Yeah. You owe a backstory of psychology of some kind. Humans are storytelling animals. We hunt for these things because we have our own survival, whether or not we know that's why we're hunting for them. We have our own future survival in mind. We need this information to keep ourselves safe in the future. It is natural to want to know that. I didn't really want to talk about that. I didn't really want to kind of make it a movie about why someone's a monster mm -hmm. and how it impacts people. Kind of just wanted to say, hey, here's what happens when something traumatic happens to you. And here's what recovery kind of looks like in all people will interpret your behavior to add up to not believing you and leave you alone in that. You'll have to go through that experience. So we thought, well, if the goal really is to just get people talking, you know, feel like they can explore this conversation with their friends without, I think people are basically good. I don't think anyone wants to offend anybody. I think a lot of people sit things out because they're afraid of saying the wrong mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I think actually there are a lot of people that would want to talk about this if they felt confident enough in discussing it. How can we make a movie for them and also kind of make it fun? Um, yeah. For anyone who maybe experienced this, like not whole like dirge of sorrow. And so we kind of thought, well, let's scrap sexual violence entirely. We could probably live the rest of our lives never seeing any more sexual violence depicted on film anyway. Mm -hmm. So why don't we mm -hmm. just make it a monster movie? Like she gets attacked by a monster and just play it out. Cause someone would probably react to you when you, you know, it's not Marvel, it's grounded in this world. So if I were to tell you, hey Duncan, last night I was attacked by a monster, mm -hmm. like seriously, like an actual monster. You would probably be like, are you talking to anyone about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought that it might actually simulate the experience a little more accurately. So we wrote it together. We just started shooting. I taught myself how to use the camera. We got a third producer, Kwanzaa Gooden. We were shooting down like right off of Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles, which is a kind of dangerous area, but uh -huh. nobody cares what any, it's like, don't ask, don't tell, right? Like no one's like into anyone else's business. So we filmed like a lot of those first month, like that alleyway scene, filmed a lot of the downtown footage had Angela Golner, who is a brilliant actor, director, writer, producer in her own right. She has an MFA from Harvard. We had her, she's very intellectual. She's very engaged in the subject matter. She has lots of issue-based film herself. Um, she was kind of a perfect fit. We just were collaborating and creating this live thing. And eventually um, Marcus Dunstan, who wrote a lot of the Saw franchise movies, mm -hmm. he also created um, The Collector and The Collection, the films that Emma was obviously in. Um, he saw our footage and was like, hey, you know, my mom was in the Take Back the Night marches in the 70s on her college campus. I would love to help you somehow. 
and this footage is great. Like, why don't you get some money and finish it? And I had never, never even occurred to me to try to find money to make a movie. So uh, he set us up with some really great um, film financiers in Vegas who are very passionate. They, um, one of them is a lawyer. He fights for justice like day in, day out for families that have been wronged. Um, and they invested a small amount of money in our movie and kind of tipped us over the finish line. But really it took us five years to make this movie. Yeah. And then we screened at Popcorn Frights, kind of screened at a bunch of the horror films in the States, um, like 12 films, we won 10 awards, and then um, kind of settled uh, our distribution and we're thrilled to be coming to the UK on Arrow, which has been like a mega dream. The DVD is like, the Blu-ray is like crazy to me. There's so much of this digital art that just goes up and then they take it down and it doesn't exist anywhere. How crazy. Yeah. Five years of your life and there's not even a tangible thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's sad. So I'm very thankful to Arrow for giving me the opportunity to create a Blu-ray and they are so thoughtful. I have to really just hype the Blu-ray for a second because, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, well, I just print them and put a Sharpie on it. Like, take it overnight. Um, <laughs> they really got the movie. They treated it so like they, their pre, their treatment of it is so precious, mm. right? They're very careful. They really understand, I think, movies and movie lovers. And so they set me up with Alexandra Heller Nicholas, who's obviously this wonderful film scholar, writer. She's written many books, like great revenge films, found footage mm -hmm. horror films, uh, Thousand Women of Horror, and she spearheaded all the dvd extras and so it's just jam-packed um i told her i was very inspired by the punk movement of the riot girls and she also loved riot girls and we both created zines growing up so she created a zine fold out there's a critics round table it's just a real dream she did a fantastic job i'm very thankful to the whole team yeah i think the the, the thing that really struck me about your movie like i said before i think there's there there have been attempts in cinema, not necessarily in the horror genre, but attempts in cinema to try and tackle this subject matter, but I think at times it can be done too subtly. And as a result, audiences maybe don't necessarily come away with any thought at all, unless you are specifically like sitting with a trowel trying to dig away to find out what the messaging is. There's, there, there's a bluntness about this, which I really appreciated. I think the idea of, like you said before, the idea of just like imagine having this conversation but removing the element and replacing it with a monster and what I found really interesting is a lot of those conversations like you were saying about have you, have you thought about seeing help are you, you know, are you okay are you like these are the, it's the same conversations you would get and I think as humans we <laughs> I don't know if we're conditioned to think that everyone should react to every situation exactly the same way but we're very complex and the way that we handle emotions, and I love the like just the subtleties of your your you know your your main protagonist doing a, a news interview and wearing the same outfit, and it's you know the 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 optics of that being from her sister's point of view. Well, you, I mean, what are you thinking about wearing that dress? You know that signifies the worst thing. She's well, no, this is my favorite dress. Like, why would I not wear my favorite? Dress? Like, and all the subtleties and the nuances that go into 
all the different aspects I thought were really, 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 really well done. Like just like so much clever forethought into the way that that's constructed in the movie. To some people that might just gloss right over them and they have this, at the end of the day, this really cool monster movie. But if you're willing to invest the time into it, I think you do really come away with some really important statements and the way the media plays into that and how it can be used as a, a as a tool to, you know, at some level build up interest in something, but at the same time, whenever it's, you know, convenient for them, they can very twist, you can twist it very easily to make it a sensationalized piece for the other side. And you tackle a lot of huge subject matter <laughs> In, in a movie which, at its core, like you said, is you know, is, is a monster movie, and I think for a first-time director, that's incredibly ballsy. I'd like I'd this go big or go home attitude. Like you come from a law background, was there ever any point in your life before, like, kind of building into this, where you were like, you know, I, I have a film in me, or is, is it one of these things where just the stars align in the right position in order to do it? I think who you are as a grown-up is the same person you are as a kid. Yeah. Right. And I have a three-year-old, and I keep seeing things in him. I'm like, man, I know I'm going to see this when you're, yeah. when you're 40. <laughs> you know, like he's. Um, but if you go back and you look at home footage, I'm staging my stuffed animals at home mm -hmm. in scenes and making in, them into scenes. And in elementary school, I was desperate to stage uh, Beauty and the Beast. The staging of Beauty and the Beast because all my friends I thought were so creative. I, well, you know, one of my friends wanted to be a costume designer, and one was a one a dancer. She wanted to be a choreographer, and, and a bunch wanted to be actors. Like this is great. Like she'll do the costumes. My other friend will do the choreography. And I tried to like pitch my elementary school of letting us. We didn't have a drama department. Trying to put this up in the library. I was mm -hmm. like, we can move the shelves that we had were all on wheels. I was like, we can move them all. We'll just do this thing. And they said, sure, as long as you have an adult supervising. <laughs> so my mom was a teacher at the school and I was like mom why don't you be the supervisor that's how my mom started her uh 20 year long drama uh teacher career so I kind of was always instigating all throughout my high school I um made a ton of very very I can't say this word very melodramatic short films <laughs> um which got me into trouble because of dark subject matter mm -hmm. um which I really went to bat for because I was like, I'm reading Maya Angelou. Like, I'm reading Shakespeare. Like, you want to talk about dark? And yeah. I like <laughs> pull out passages. And I was like, this is a hundred times darker than what I'm doing. Um, and actually, one of the girls who was at my boarding school is a very talented actor, and she went on to be in The Walking Dead for six seasons, and she's in like a ton of my short films she's a really good friend of mine we still collaborate um and after that i went to college where i sort of accidentally um was studying entertainment economics but then i accidentally got embedded in the english department and you know i was in all of the journals and talking on panels and as i was leaving college so many of my and like you will keep writing right and I was like yeah yeah I'm gonna go to law school like I don't want to be an artist I want just a normal safe healthy life like I just want to um so yes I will write as a hobby um and then I went to law school and I saw so many things that were just infinitely depressing you know sitting next to the judge on calendar day you're watching 
17-year-old black boys who look like men getting tried as adults on calendar days where they do sentencing. So it's yeah. like, you know, you're, you, this is the time you'll have to pay for the crime kind of thing. And um, they'll do like 40 of those in a day. Yeah. You're just watching these kids like hug their families and go away to Rikers, which is in the States a really violent, tough uh, prison mm -hmm. to be in. Uh, and so like after a year of that and like all the sexual violence cases, I was like, I cannot do this. So I dropped out and moved to LA. I kind of quickly got a job at William Morris Endeavor where I was in the mailroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe to answer your question in a shorter way is I think I tried to fight it for a really long time, yeah. but I think it was always in there. Yeah, I think I'd like I I think you have a real talent for it. I, I don't imagine the the only person that said that, but I I suppose like the the next logical question is right. You've now it's now out in the world. It's about to be available physically and and digitally for you know for a much larger audience, who I mean are conditioned. Arrow have their audience preset and ready for for movies like this. So I I can't imagine it's not going to like do a roaring success there. But now you have that one out the way. The difficult first one's gone. Um, are you going to continue making movies? Do you have other other things in the pipeline that you can talk about? Because I know sometimes it's a case of, well, yeah, there's there's I can't really talk about it though. But uh, is there anything there? Or are you going to take a bit of time to let this one settle and then uh, wait for the next project to kind of organically grow like this one did? I had a couple of things in the works, mm. and it started to feel so strategic and Hollywood and. Um, you know, gross, I guess. Like, yep. it, it didn't... I'm a workaholic, right? Uh, my husband used to call me Wally's girlfriend because he would be like, you're, you're just a pair of legs underneath a computer. I plug into a project and I, you'll have to be like, Gia, you blasted through lunch and dinner and it's 10 p.m. Like, maybe you should have protein shake and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I couldn't find that. You know, like having these me development meetings and these mm. producers and like trying to beg reps, like you should work with me. And they're like, well, why? I'm like, God damn, I don't want to have to prove myself yeah. to say something because I said something and nobody, I didn't have to ask anybody for yeah. permission. And now suddenly I'm having to play this game where it seems like an anti-meritocracy in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, I actually moved over into the Web3 space where I am just like thriving and having a really great time. And eventually I will make another film, but I'm going to do it on my terms. And I'm exactly. not like I am not going to be part of Hollywood. I'm not going to be a professional writer. I'm yeah. not going to try to get hired. I tried that for like two or three years and it was just crazy making. Um so I won't do that, but I will make I will make another movie. I have one that I want to make. Um, I've been writing it. That's the other thing too. Like I want to luxuriate in my art. I want to explore it. I want to take it fully apart and put it back together. And to do it in a way that is financially logical, you have to do it really fast. Mm -hmm. You have to like make a write, direct, post, produce, and distribute a movie in a year. Yeah. And I don't want to make a movie like that. I want to pull the topic apart, explore every angle, figure out 90 minutes is not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You have to pull in only the most important moments and that's it. Um, 
Greta Gerwig's, oh, oh, like in an interview, she said, like, every one of my first drafts is 200 pages. And I was like, yes, because you are a good craftswoman. You are a good writer. Whenever someone's telling me they're writing a screenplay and they're having a hard time making the number of pages, I was like, turn it into a short. Yeah. You don't have enough there. It should be so complicated that it should be so hard to figure out how to get yeah. it down to nine. And I also like sort of big ideas, obviously. <laughs> so I have um, a theme and a subject that's really interesting to me. And I've been drawn to it for a really long time. I've been digesting it and pulling it apart and putting it back um, So I think like three or four years, I might independently like get together some financing and make another one. I kind of grew up going from like, my parents like religion hopped a lot. And every time I would be like, yeah, this definitely feels like the right way to see the world. And then inevitably we'd hop to a different religion and I'd be like, oh yeah, no, this is yeah. the right way to see the world. Uh, I should use these words instead of those words and frame them. But then in my twenties, I was like, man, what's real? You know, I was sort of in this existential, pure existentialist phase where I was like, any person who tells me anything is abs absolutely is real. Yeah. And all these exist in parallel to each other. And then the thing that I always thought was scariest was like, who decides what's real, which mm -hmm. I sort of play with and take back. Um, now that I'm older, older, I'm close. <laughs> and, um, I have a family, I have a kid. I'm feeling a little more confident in the way I see the world. Um, and it's also not a confidence I'm keen to rush into because I think that we're always in such a hurry to grow up and know everything. Yeah. I would like to know nothing. I'd like to be a constant student. So. Um, but I am feeling more confident in the way I see the world and I'm feeling more like I can slowly advocate for my life to reflect my own worldview that it was kind of hard fought. Um, and so I'd like to make a movie sort of exploring that, the, the battle for the narrative and finding the confidence to, to be able to tell the story of your life on your own terms. Yeah. I, I, I could listen to you honestly read the phone book. <laughs> like it's infinitely fascinating, infinitely. Look, I think it is something that's is genuinely. I think some people are so desperate to get into the film industry that they forget that it is an industry. It's designed to almost machine like like churn things through, and when it's no longer of value or no longer of use, you just get dumped to the side, and then the next new shiny thing is brought through. And I, I love the idea of someone like basically building something themselves and then you know once they've went through that experience understanding the the pain of that but then taking that as a positive towards the next project to start again and continue and to continue growth i, I think it's great and I, I like i say i thought i thought the movie just it, it, it fires on so many different cylinders that, that you know i've seen stuff done before where people are trying to put forward a very important message which can very clumsily be handled in a movie um and the fact that you like like i say is as as you know the messaging is there it's, it's not hidden but <laughs> the, the the approach you take at it i think is one that certainly fits the genre for sure and it also allows people to be entertained while at the same time think which if that's not what horror is there to do i don't know what i don't know what is there to do it's like it yeah. thrives in the best periods where social angst or like actual conversation on on any sort of kind of social level is is 
kind of throat at some point. And I think your movie certainly taps into that. Um, I think um, I think you're going to do great. I, I cannot wait to, to, to start reading the reviews when they come out. And like I say, um, it's available 10th of October, both physical, uh, which is how I'm going to get Mings, uh, and digital for those that want to check it out on VOD. Do you have any social media or anything like that you want to pimp? I always ask, and some, uh, some filmmakers are like, yeah, follow me on Instagram, and others are like, do not follow me on social media, it's just cats. Um, so, uh, do you have anything that you, you that people can follow you on? Or I am not on social media. That's a healthy person I, right there. <laughs> yeah, I actually, when I realized like four and a half years ago that it was a depression trigger, mm-hmm. I got rid of it, and it really did help. So, um, I always just make a plug for anybody who has depression and is maybe noticing that their depression worsens when they spend more time on social media. Like you can totally just quit it. You don't have to do it. Your life will completely just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, I do indeed. Um, I mean, like I say, I could, I could chat to you all day. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the, the reaction to the, the movie. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you come back with. Even if it is five years down the road, we'll be keeping a, a, a keen eye out there. Uh, Gia has been an absolute... I did pronounce that right this time, Gia. Yeah, you did. See, I can, I can learn. Uh, you're amazing. I was. <laughs> I wish that we were just like drinking beers and chatting all night. This if you ever find yourself in Scotland <laughs> and you want to chat over beers... Yeah, I will definitely. <laughs> right, uh, everyone. Perfect. Please... Sign me up. Please, please, please check out this movie, Take Back the Night, available on the 10th. Um, Gia, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I'm going to take my uh, next break here. When I come back, we're going to be discussing the movie, non-spoiler, right after this. Do you intend to answer all of the questions truthfully? Yes. Your sister was the victim of an assault. Let's just start at the beginning. I was attacked. Did you recognize your attacker? Was it somebody that you knew? No. Were any of the injuries attributed to this assault self-inflicted? What? The results of your toxicology screening had cocaine, MDMA, and methamphetamine in your system (sighs) in addition to the alcohol. If you lied about the whole thing, I will lie with you. I just need to know. I'm not making this up. The prosecutor is going to imply that these wounds are self-inflicted. No, I was attacked. There's an actual monster after me. The DNA evidence from the crime scene came back inconclusive. I'm not crazy. I didn't make this up. Things like this keep happening because we aren't willing to see them. I'm not going to let it win. And last night, I swear to God, I'm driving home from the police station and I hit it with my car. Monsters are real. The monster that did this to me is still out there. All of these women are running or dead. It will be back. I'm just terrified that this is going to happen to someone else. 
And welcome back, ladies and gents. So you have just heard the trailer for Take Back the Night. I want to thank Gia Elliott for joining me in the previous segment, but let's talk about her movie and the press statement that was released from the Arrow player with regards to it, which says, On October 10th, 2022, the essential alternative streaming service Arrow premieres Take Back the Night, a dark urban chiller with a powerful kick. Monsters are real in Take Back the Night, the debut feature from director Gia Elliott, co-written with lead actress Emma Fitzpatrick. The story of an artist celebrating her first gallery show who is assaulted by a strange supernatural creature and takes it upon herself to track it down when the police doubt her hazy recollections of the terrible event. With echoes of Candyman with promising young women, the film features a terrific, gusty performance from Emma Fitzpatrick and an intriguing premise that mixes horror elements with current social issues to powerful effect. Take Back the Night builds to a very tense and taut final act that you won't see coming. Elliot won the Best Director at the 2021 Genre Blast Film Festival and prestigious George E. Romero Fellowship at last year's Salem Horror Film Festival and has an assured grasp of the material, ensuring Take Back the Night is much more than just a monster movie. Instead, it will stay with you long after the credits rolled. The synopsis of the movie is an allegorical story of violence against women and the dangers of victim blaming wrapped up in a classic monster movie. Writer-director Gia Elliott takes no prisoners in her multi-award winning debut feature Take Back the Night. Finding herself the victim of a violent monster attack, Jane launches a vigilante campaign to hunt the beast that tried to kill her. But her troubling history of drug use and mental health bubbles to the surface, causing her family, community and the authorities to question her account. Alone in her fight, Jane starts to doubt her own memory of the attack and to wonder if the monster exists at all. Fueled by formidable female talent both in front and behind the camera, Take Back the Night is a terrific terrifying suspense thriller that is both an eye-opening expose and a powerful rallying cry. Watch Take Back the Night first by heading to Arrow and start your 30-day free trial. Available on the following apps and devices, Xbox, Roku, all Roku sticks, boxes and devices, etc. Apple TV, iOS devices, Android TV, mobile devices, Fire TV and all Amazon Fire sticks and boxes, etc. Or directly on your web browser at www.arrow-player.com. The subscriptions are available in the UK from $4.99 a month or $49.99 annually. Right, so we spoke to Gia in the previous segment there, and like I said, the, the biggest thing that stuck with me about this movie is the kind of gusto and guts for a debut filmmaker to tackle such a volatile subject matter fucking heads on, which to Gia's credit, she doesn't actually hold back on at all. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to see, even from the name of the movie, that this has taken a kind of very direct look at how society, the authorities, and victims handle rape, and how uh, through different different optics, speaking to different people, you can get different opinions on not only the blame culture that lies within, but how society perceives people in a way of how they should react. Like, there's almost a template of, of how people should react when they're a victim of violent crime, and how people don't necessarily slot um, comfortably, shall we say, into into those those expectations, and thus, at that point, straight away, you draw criticism. 
or commentary from different areas of society. It can go down to body language, it can go to how they're directly tackling things. Now, what I loved about this is, as Gia mentioned, imagine taking that out and, you know, replacing rape with attacked by a monster. Like, if I said tomorrow I was attacked by the Loch Ness Monster, um, a lot of the same things would be flung at me in terms of the way uh, society, the media, the authorities, friends, family, the community would all look at me as well. And I think that's a really smart move. I think it's a really, really, really smart move because you still deliver a entertaining horror movie whilst at the same time delivering blunt but concise and easy to digest messaging in a way where I think, like I said before, even if you've got your head in your sand, you can read to the message of the movie. It's nice and clear and it makes a statement and I think it's an important one at that. Obviously, this isn't made with a lot of money, so it, it does have its limitations. Um, some of the effects, digital as they are, um, look a bit ropey, but not in a way where I'm like, this looks like an iPhone filter. And I think, you know, that, that's just, that's a, a product of we're making an indie movie. The fact that they shot this gorilla style in, in Skid Row, which you couldn't pay me to go down Skid Row from what I've heard about it, um, is once again, is a testament to the, the product itself. Um, I think it's got great pacing. It's about an hour and a half long, uh, you know, deals with the, the, the kind of attack early in the movie and then starts to take you, walk you basically hand in hand through all the different societal aspects of what someone who's the victim of a violent crime would go through. And then, you know, builds towards its natural conclusion, which does have a little bit of a twist in it for sure. And then the after effect of that, which, like I say, this is non-spoiler, so I can't go into that. So let's talk about what I love. I love the messaging. I thought the script was really clever. I love the dialogue. I think the acting is really good as well. Our central um, our central protagonist, Emma Fitzpatrick, is great here. She's a great actress and you can see she's really invested in the role and that you need that in this one. You can have other aspects of a monster movie a bit flimsy, but if we're talking about monster attack and victimhood and trying to reclaim back yourself, that needs to be authentic and, you know, is there in spades for sure. It's definitely an original story as well. I feel like, like I've seen a lot of indie horror movies now that are basically retreading the same subject matter or the same style or the same messaging. And at least this one, even if it doesn't 100% wholly hold together, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hitting hard for what it wants to deliver, which is something that's a little bit of a different take than what you're used to. And like I said before, that to me, you get credit for that for sure. And the, and the things that maybe didn't work for me as well, like I said before, it does feel at times a little bit cheap, but that's because the movie is cheap. You know what I mean? And in comparison to what other movies are doing, they've got bigger budgets. So it's not really a criticism. I would much rather someone went out there and shot guerrilla style than sat there complaining that they can't afford to do something. And we're in, we're in a position that we are now that if you want to be a filmmaker, it's not the cheapest thing, but if you really, if that's your passion, you can make that happen, right? It might not be a movie that plays in every theatre up and down the country, but you can make that happen if you want. You just got to have the drive to do it, and Gia does. Like that, that's that's the thing in here. You can see that this is she said it herself is about a five year passion project that she's committed herself to, and I, I love that about it. But I've got to be honest, 
you know, it, it does feel a little bit cheap in parts. I think, and it's not negative from me, but I could see some audiences who are like just looking for the dumb monster movie, maybe maybe taking, not umbrage, but maybe not enjoying the message and maybe feeling that the movie's a bit preachy. I don't know what is about movie watchers nowadays but it, it kind of feels like anything with a little bit of messaging is classified as woke which is just a lazy description if you're using that it's because you're not smart enough to come up with a proper criticism you're just lumping it under a, a blanket title that you i don't think yourself understand and i imagine there'll be some people out there that are are, are like that on this movie so that might be a negative to some people it's, a, it's an observation I pointed out, but not one that I hold true to myself. I actually enjoyed its directness. I think more movies at times could do with being a bit more direct. And I think Gia has that on lock. Um, you will not see a movie like this this year. I think that's the kind of cool thing about it. It mentioned like a movie like Promising Young Woman, which, you know, obviously got the internet talking and all the rest, but it still had a glossy feel to it. This one has a bit more of a kind of raw indie vibe going along with it, and I, I appreciate that. I don't think you will see a movie like Take Back the Night this year. I think Arrow is the perfect place to put out as well. It's also going to be released physically, so you will be able to get it on Blu-ray um, and get that one in your collection as well, and then that way you've got it physically to watch um, along with streaming it if you are subscribed to the Arrow site. So yeah, like, like I say, definitely one to go and check out. If you want something that has the all the chops of a good old-fashioned monster movie, but well, a little bit more of a social conscience and actually has a message which is worthwhile hearing, <laughs> that's the other thing, is a pertinent worthwhile message that it's not even just a social issue that is now. It's a social issue that until we as a society understand that when violence is perpetrated on a woman in a sexual manner like we need to listen and be supportive and understand them without being skeptical or dismissive until those days change a movie like this is vitally important um, and it shines a spotlight in uh, an important place uh, in terms of grades for this one i give this one a 3.5 out of 5 i will be buying it and i'm looking forward to checking it again before the year is out and i'm super curious to see where gia goes next i think this i know she's saying she wants to wait for the next project but she's clearly talented she's a talented filmmaker and I think if it means we have to wait another five years for the next movie, then I will happily do that. So yeah, that was Take Back Tonight, available on VOD via the Arrow Player, which is www.arrow-player.com, uh, as of the 10th of October. Okie dokie dokie, right, we're going to take a very short break just now. You are going to hear the trailer for our next review. This is also a screener because I have been blessed in the last week. Like, just everyone's been sending me screeners and shit saying like that. Duncan, watch our movie. And this is the best time of year for that because then I just get to, I get to splurge and indulge in all the things that I want. But let's talk about Pennywise, the story of it, which is going to be available as of tomorrow. Uh, so you, you will be able to get your hands on it as of the 3rd of October, which means I'm going to take a very short break. You're going to hear the trailer and we'll be back to discuss it right after this. Push Dennis closer to the monster, It's amazing to me, all these years later, how people are still coming up and talking about that it has this lasting effect and impact. Its enduring power may come from the chords it strikes among all of us. We're all human beings and we were all children once. Pop culture has taken ownership of this miniseries. It scared the hell out of millions of people. 
Advertisers were very nervous. This was a children in jeopardy story. We were breaking new grounds because I don't remember before any kind of material like this that I saw on television. The only source of disappointment for me was the fact that we couldn't go as raw and as bold as they did in the, in the book. One of the comments is, is typically, Tim Curry is the reason why I'm terrified of clowns. Steve's particular spin was to take something that's much loved and familiar and ratcheted it up as far as it could possibly go. Wow. Tim could act to a manhole cover because he has that kind of charisma and presence. He brought more to the character than was written on the page. I saw it as a fantasy character. It was an illusion that it's presenting to these children. I wanted it to almost be like a living cartoon. And he said, if you want me to wear this scary makeup, then I think you have the wrong actor. And I thought, what? I'll kill you all. Our director came to me, and he said, Jim, I'm losing it with these kids. If it were filmed now with that same group of kids, there would be a lot of them who had diagnoses, maybe ADHD, oppositional defiance. Some of them just would not shut up. <laughs> we got in a lot of trouble. Oh, your kids, both on set and off. <laughs> we couldn't get the next, like, three or four takes. The adults, they were actually more noisy than the kids. No, it didn't happen. And I want to apologize right now. That's it. You have to do your job. Most TV movies disappear into oblivion. I think the fact that it is consistently played on cable has opened it to a much wider audience. You say it, and people say Tim Curry. Down here we all flow. <laughs>
Pennywise The Story of It, available digital download from the 3rd of October, that's tomorrow, and Blu-ray and DVD from the 24th. So yeah, I was really looking forward to this. Very much like anyone my age, I grew up with it. Um, I must have rinsed this to death as a kid. <laughs> like, just like, like on loop. I fucking loved it. Um, it was, it was my jam. And it's one of those things that I've, I've been fortunate enough to pass on to my child. I've got an eight-year-old daughter. And we, not that long ago, this year, sat down and watched it, the full TV um, special from the 90s and then did the two movies that were recently released that obviously became huge there is absolutely no way the remake of it becomes the you know the what the highest grossing horror movie of all time in a world where that tv movie doesn't pave the way for that so it's interesting getting into the background of this and that's where the 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 mining the gold of this release comes in it's not just the interviews but it's actually like hearing the story of how it came to fruition and just generally hearing people's attitudes towards it from the time and even now. I think there's nothing more refreshing than hearing someone like a, a Tommy Lee Wallace go, yeah, the first night was stronger than the second night and, you know, when the when the, like, the spider arrived, we were like, what the fuck is this? And I love those aspects because obviously you... A lot of filmmakers don't like to criticise the work they've done and or will try and push things through certain optics because they want to work again. You know, like they don't want to badmouth anything that might burn a bridge. And it, we're so far removed from it now that the, the, the kind of freshness lies in people just genuinely looking back over the good times and, uh, and over the bad aspects as well. You're also seeing like many different iterations of what could have been in there, what wasn't in there, what was planned, had they had more money, more time potentially, the involvement of the TV studio in terms of what they wanted, what they would allow, and then also the gamble itself. It's safe to see in 2022 in a world where if you're watching something like a Game of Thrones, you've likely seen a hardcore, in, you know, hardcore incest scene on there just before someone gets barbecued and eviscerated by a fucking dragon the TV's come a long way since 1990 you could even argue to an extent without it being on the TV you might never have got something like a Twin Peaks without a Twin Peaks you might not have ever had something like a Sopranos or an X-Files or then moving on to something like a Lost and then where we are now with TV now so it really did push things out and it did feel like an event like I was in the UK and I remember getting from someone that had access to like American TV stations and all that. I remember getting a VHS, two VHS tapes, which had it part one and it part two. Um, they recorded it for me, most likely illegally, and then, you know, burned many copies, most likely illegally. But I had them and watched them until they could no longer be watched. So it was an event everywhere. Like, it wasn't just an event in America, but going back and listening to that, seeing the child actors now growing up and hearing the camaraderie that they had on set, seeing the adult actors, like, talk about their experiences doing it as well, it's just fun. There's a, a kind of nostalgic attitude to that. Now, sadly, Tim Curry's had a stroke and, you know, isn't uh, uh, is nearly as well or as lively as he was before that but even hearing him talk about the experience and hearing all like, the filmmakers say like that yeah once we had Tim Curry we had it locked in seeing the original designs for Pennywise and what they ultimately ended with it just feels like you're following the decision process with the filmmakers all the way through in the best possible way and ultimately what they came back with is a performance which stands the test of time I had no issues with 
with Skarsgård's performance of, of Pennywise, I enjoyed it because it was different. It wasn't trying to be Tim Curry. Actually, in a lot of respects, it was more in line with the novel. But seeing Tim Curry take what could have been a laughable performance and really twist it into this unsettling, creepy character, which is, like we said, well, you've got your Jasons, you've got your Freddies, you've got your Pinheads, you've got your Leatherfaces, you've got your Michael Myers, you've got your... Eh, You've got Pennywise the Clown has somehow managed to make that in there without the sheer volume of movies, without the sequels and all the rest, just by sheer force of will for the impact that it had as a child. So you got about a two hour documentary here on the, the streaming version, which is available tomorrow. And it's great. Like this is one of these ones that I never looked at my phone and it's split over about nine chapters and they take you through from the original genesis of uh, Stephen King releasing the novel and the rights being acquired for television right through the script writing process, through the casting, them being on set, how that was handled, the release, uh, you know, like all, all the way right to the, the, the kind of cultural and social impact at the end. And it, it has a really satisfying narrative that just looks in the best possible way. Two hours flew by watching this. I can't stress that enough. So even if you're not someone that's necessarily invested in the biggest lover of it, if you enjoy horror and those documentaries and features that you get, this is for you. It's you know it, it delivers the goods for sure. I'm super curious because you did get the feeling that they could have went further with some of the interviews or did go further. So I'm assuming that's what's going to be on those Blu-ray extras. And I can see myself picking up a copy on this one end of the month when it's released on Blu-ray on the 24th. Um, just like one of those things where I, I get excited because I've seen some of the making of featurettes before but there was more detail here and you're getting people looking back and like with a good chunk of time now to, to their involvement there and speaking very candidly I never felt like anyone was kind of sugarcoating something or not being strictly honest like you hear Richard Thomas basically say I've never watched this movie back because I don't think I like my performance and I, I think it's fresh to hear those sort of sort of things come out. Also hearing the kids talk about how they never spoke to Tim Curry because they were fucking terrified of this chain-smoking clown who was always in character who would wait for him to walk past and start going and scaring them. And to me, it's those stories that just give this like a charm that I really enjoyed. In terms of grades, this one gets a 4 out of 5. I really, really like this documentary. I am very cynical about the, let's do a documentary on that film you watched that one time. And there's a lot of them that I feel are needless, but this one felt merited. And it's I think they could have shoved another half an hour on this, and I would have still been enthralled and enjoy it. So, yeah, this one gets a 4 out of 5 from me. Like I said before, it's available in the UK digital download tomorrow. That is the 3rd of October, and it's available on Blu-ray and DVD on the 28th of October UK only I would say my final break of this episode when I come back I'm closing the show and I'm doing it right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs You've been listening to the podcast under the stairs. This has been bonus episode 423. This had two reviews here of recently or about to be released titles. 
Um, Take Back the Night, which is available 10th of October via the Arrow Player, and a little bit of It, the story of Pennywise, a documentary which is available tomorrow on uh, digital and then 24th of October on physical release in the UK. A huge thanks to uh, Gia Elliott who joined me to discuss her movie. That was such a fun interview. She is so fucking nice, like ridiculously nice. Too nice, some people would argue. A massive thanks to uh, Fetch PR company who set me up with the interview with Gia Elliott and gave me the screener for Take By The Night. A massive thanks to Strike Media who sent me through the screener of Pennywise The Story of It so huge thanks there to both companies there is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs wherever you listen to right now subscribe that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of teapots content do not stop there ladies and gents what I want from you is a little subscription on our sister feed the teapots collective which has shows like where to begin with opera omnia doing the nasty and chronicle as well links to all the, the, the shows in there run through their entire archives as well so like you subscribe to the teapots collective all those full shows and all their archived episodes are all in that singular feed for you. Um, and subscribing to both that feed and the, the podcast and the stairs feed, best way to support me. Alternatively, you can jump across to our website and do everything on one page. That's tputzcast.com, links to all the shows there as well, as well as a link to another show called Jaws' Shite and other regrettable outbursts. It's a booze-based banter entertainment featuring myself, the Baz, uh, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evo is very drunken, is very messy. We regret everything we say and hopefully you enjoy it when you listen to it. Jaws is shite and other regrettable outbursts exclusively available on tputzcast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to interact with me over there, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast gets you the podcast under the stairs. If you want to uh, maybe get involved with some of the Teapots Collective stuff, it has a Facebook page and it is a, just a feed of every episode from every show that I do and all the guest appearances I'm on. That can be found at facebook.com forward slash Cast. And lastly, if you like your internet weird, then why not check out the Jaws of Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. If you hate Facebook and you would rather interact with us on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeapotsCast. The podcast Under the Stairs returns with a brand new Bazoween episode. It's coming tomorrow. Baz is sitting down. He's doing November. He is doing Phantasm 2. We'll find out how he got on with those titles in your feeds tomorrow so until then whatever you are where the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours please take care of yourselves out there this is Duncan Cleese broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off